Well, good morning, friends. How's everyone doing this morning? Ready to talk about some difficult people? If you are, I want to see your hand in the air real quick. Perfect. The rest of you? Well, too bad. We're going in it anyways, all right? Well, welcome to episode two of Difficult People. And it's a question that we're just trying to answer in this series is this, is how do we love people who suck the joy out of us? We just have those people in our lives that feel like anytime we're around them, the joy is vacuumed outside of us and it's just gone. And you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me not to throat punch this person right now, right? We have those people. And uh, here's, here's where we're going with the series. Last week, Pastor Josh kicked it off with uh, talking about critical people. Those people just who are constantly negative. They're just hard to be around sometime. And I, I just, we're in church, we're a family together. Just curious, how many of you are, you're just a glass is half empty type of person? All right, remember you're in church, God knows your heart. All right. Um, what about, how many of you are actually like, I, I think I'm a glass is a half full person? Well, those numbers don't add up, ladies and gentlemen. Your hands did not all give me 50-50, but uh, I, I, I joke around. I think my wife will say I'm a glass is half empty person. I like to think I'm a glass is half full type of person, but hey, who knows, right? But uh, last week we talked about just dealing with negativity, and it's, it's really hard to deal with that. Uh, next week, jump ahead of this week, but next week we're going to talk about overly needy people. The people that are always constantly begging for things or asking for things, you're like, Lord Jesus, just give them help so they quit asking me these things or whatever. That is going to be um, more of the, probably the lighthearted of all the messages uh, in this series. And then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, do not miss week, t- week four. Um, in two weeks from today, do not miss this one. We are going to talk about hypocritical people. And um, we're going to talk about uh, hypocritical people as far as followers of Jesus being hypocritical, right? Uh, you come into church and act one way, but the rest of society and our community knows how you act outside of these four walls. What are we called to do? How It's frustrating, right? Just It's going to be powerful. I think every week's powerful. I think every week you shouldn't miss church anyways. But don't miss this week, uh, week, two, week four. Again, in two weeks from today, hypocritical people. But today, uh, we're going to talk about, um, I, I learned after first service, this is a little more difficult topic to talk about. When, when you get a lot of silence, you know you're probably stepping on some toes, and I learned that after first service, and it's heavy. It's a little heavy. So um, I need to apologize uh, in a sense of just get ready to, to receive it because it's painful. And if you've ever dealt with this type of person, it hurts. And uh, today we're going to talk about controlling people. Uh, you can also call them manipulators, people that, um, well, here, here's, here's, a, here's a picture to, to kind of uh, imagine a controlling person. It, it's like you're the puppet and they're the hands. And uh, I, I think some of you right now, you know exactly whose hand that is. And it hurts, it's painful. And you're like, please get me out of this thing, right? I'm, I'm just curious, um, how many of you, you know a control freak or a controlling person? How many of you would admit you know them? Yep. All right, right now, if your hand was going up and the person next to you was pulling it down, you probably brought your controlling person with you. <laughs> just saying. All right, here's going to have a couple conversations this morning. We're going to, we're going to look at um, conversation number one, controllers, manipulators, call them what you want. Uh, they're in our lives. 
And so we're going to have conversation number one is going to be about what, what's the weapons they use to manipulate us, to control us. Then we're going to conversation number two is how do we love, um, how do we love and lift up those that control us and manipulate us without hurting them? Because hurting them is not the answer. We ha- we're called to live like Jesus. And he always went out to love on people. How do we, how do we love on them, yet in our own, we have safety as well, that we're not being controlled. And then final conversation um, in the mix of it is we're going to talk about what are signs that we got to look for for people who do manipulate and control us. And uh, manipulators are all throughout the Bible. Uh, you can go back to the Old Testament. Think about uh, Jacob manipulated Esau. And uh, uh, Delilah manipulated Samson. I mean, there's so many. Those are just two examples. And our example, we're going to look in the New Testament. We're going to look at a story with Jesus and Peter. It's pretty cool. Um, It's a different way to look at the story. But here's conversation number one. The controller's greatest weapons, manipulators who are in our lives, what do they use against us that get us to become their puppet? Number one, greatest uh, weapon is threats. They will threaten you. Examples, you better do it or you're going to regret it, right? Uh, If you want to work here, you'll do this or that. If you don't, you're going to pay for it. If you don't pay more attention to me, I'm going to leave you out of my will. If you ever got that, you may want to pay more attention. But other things, let's make it uber practical. Boyfriend, girlfriend threatens to break up with you. When you won't do what they want sexually. I'm going to talk to the teens real quick. Teens, walk away now. Let them go to social media and do what they're going to do. You can't control it. Ha, what we're talking about. It's not worth it. Hear that. And let me back it up and say, even outside of teens, anyone who's dating, if you're threatened sexually, you got to run. Does that land softly? It's worth it. I'm telling you. I'm pleading with you. We are in a culture that is saturated with sex all over the place. All over the place. We have to stay pure in our minds and in our hearts. And if you're ever threatened, run out of that relationship. All right? How about a spouse? Always threatens to leave you. Anytime you guys butt heads or have intense fellowship, I, I, I'm going I'm to throw around the divorce. I'm out of here. They threaten you. Or the boss that terrifies you, you know tomorrow morning you're going to walk on eggshells because you, you have to do everything or they're threatening when you, you with your job. One of the greatest weapons that a controller and manipulator will use in your life is threats. Here's the second and last greatest weapon. There are two greatest weapons. Threats, here's the last one. It's guilt. It's guilt. They'll guilt trip you. Here's a couple examples. After all I've done for you, you won't do this one thing. It's one thing. I thought we were close. Obviously, I can't depend on you. How about this? Your friend says this to you. You call yourself a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? Or a relative. You never call me. You must be too busy for me. I could be dead for two weeks and no one would ever know or care. Guilt you. They're the puppeteer but it's real. 
It's real in our lives. So how do we love them? How, how do we love them and lift people up that do that to us without hurting them? And how in the midst of it can we be safe and actually live like Jesus in the midst of it? Here's, here's our next conversation. I'm going to give you three points on this. Number one, if you're in this relationship, if you're, let me, let me take a time out because I, had, I, had, I realized I, had, I have to preface this. This is not a message for if you're in a marriage right now and this is an out for you and you're just looking for an out. That's not it. God's word is very clear on biblical divorce. I want you to know that. I'm happy to talk to you about that. But please, at the end of this message, do not sit there and go, Ryan has given me permission to get out. I'm not. I will never give you permission. God will give you permission if it's right in his will, not me. I'm just a voice. You gotta go to him before all others. Okay, I I need to make that clear. I didn't realize how clear I needed to make that. But here we go. Number one, if you're in this, you have to do this. Recognize when someone's trying to control you. Recognize it. A controller does it for two reasons. I was doing a bunch of research just trying to figure out controlling the manipulators and going back in my life to figure out, did I have anyone that was controlling? Am I controlling? Oh, no. What is going on? The two greatest reasons why someone controls another person, why they want to be the puppeteer of your life is number one, fear. They're just a fearful person. And if it's out of their control, they are fearful of what will turn out. So they begin to manipulate you. So it's fear there. And number two, it's insecurity. A lot of controllers and manipulators, they're just insecure of themselves. So in order to make them feel better, they'll begin to control everyone else around them. But you have to recognize when someone is trying to control you. We enter the story of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is sitting there talking to his 12 disciples, his 12 closest best friends that has been seeing him do ministry for about two years at this point, two and a half years at this point. And um, he's having a conversation and he's telling them, listen, guys, I'm here to seek and save the lost. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave you. I got to go to the cross and I'm going to die a painful death. And all of a sudden, the leader of the 12 disciples, the oldest disciple, Peter, rears his ugly head in there because he doesn't like what Jesus is doing. And watch this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. This is what it says. It reads this way. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Think about this. Peter is rebuking the son of God. How high of intelligence do you have to have at this moment? Zero. Like you are getting it, God, Jesus just told you what he's got to do. And you're like, no, no, no. And the rest of that goes on. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now you have to ask the question. Peter's stepping in to try to control the situation. But is Peter the worst guy ever to live at this time? Does he hate Jesus at this time? No. Peter just doesn't get it yet. And not all controllers and manipulators in our lives are they out to harm you. Some are, but some just don't understand it. And that's where Peter is. And think about this. Peter just won Jesus Jeopardy. Jesus just asked his 12 disciples, who do they say I am? Who am I? And they're all going on. Well, people say you're this. People say you're this. And says, no, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are Jesus. You are the son of God. You're the Messiah. And Peter wins Jesus' jeopardy. Yet here he is sitting there trying to stop Jesus. Don't go to the cross. No, 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 we need you. He just doesn't get it yet. And so here's another conversation in the midst of a conversation. 
how do you know you're being manipulated? How do you know someone is trying to pull the strings on your life and manipulate you and control you? I'm going to give you four quickly. Here's the first one. You cannot say no to a certain person. You can't say it. They ask you, will you do this? You got to do this. You better be here. You're going to do this. And you're like, no, yeah, no, yep, I will. And you succumb. And then you go. You cannot say no to a certain person. So we're going to practice. Turn to your neighbor and say no. Turn to your other neighbor and say definitely no. All right. Just had to make sure I still had control of the room. That's all. <laughs> all right. Number two. You always feel guilty. You feel guilty, so you do it. You absolutely feel the shame and the guilt. If you, if I, what would happen if I didn't do it? Which leads to the third point. You feel ultimately responsible. You feel responsible. Always feeling responsible. And then the fourth indicator that you know you're being manipulated, you compromise values to please. Don't ever compromise your values to please another person, ever. Be so convicted on God's word that you do not move from it. Culture may shift, but God's word will never shift. And we are not God, and we don't get to make the decisions he does. And we just submit to it. Even though culture has shifted this way or this way and redefined marriage this way or this way, this is the definition of everything. God's word stands true even though culture changes. Listen, think about church. Church, um, the, the way we reach people, completely different than we reached people 20, 30, 40 years ago. Completely different. But what hasn't changed? God's word and his truth. Our methods will change, but never the message. The message will always stand your values. Do not waver from that. So, number one, recognize when someone is trying to control you. Here's second one. How do we love and lift them up without hurting them? First of all, we got to recognize it. Here's the second. Know what you're called to do. Know what you're called to do. Jesus was so clear in his calling. His whole time to his disciples. I'm here, Luke 19.10, the mission statement of Jesus' life. For I came to seek and save the lost. He, the disciples knew it. They saw it through and through. I'm going to bring God's kingdom here on earth over and over and over. And here, when Peter stands up and says, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. Remember, he stood in, in, in the way and said, no, never, Lord. And here's what Jesus responds to in Peter. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me who? <laughs> he called Peter Satan. The leader of his disciples. I don't know about you, but I never want to be called Satan by anyone, let alone Jesus. But here, is he, is he, no, watch this. Why is he calling him? Because you're a stumbling block to me. And you, listen, you don't have the mind, you don't have in mind the concerns of God. That's why he says Satan, because Satan does everything to, to derail God's will in this world. You don't have the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So, a lot of people have plans for your life. Did you know that? I have great plans for your life as well. 
But the only one that matters is God's plan. You got to know what you're called to do. So the next time you go to Thanksgiving and grandma is trying to tell you what to do with your life, you can sit there and go, get behind me, Satan. Right? <laughs> don't, don't. Take your notes, scratch it, erase that line, okay? Don't really. <laughs> that is horrible. Don't ever call grandma Satan. Okay? Maybe your uncle, but not grandma. But here's the problem. When we don't know what we're called to do, here's, what, here's the problem. We become people pleasers. Because we want to please everyone. Yeah, we want to make everyone happy. How many people pleasers are here? You just, you're willing to, I, I, my hand's up. I'm not just doing to demonstrate. My hand is up. Here's what I've noticed. I've been in full-time ministry for 11 years now, full-time. And um, I, I jumped into ministry and I, I, I wanted to make everyone happy. <laughs> you realize you can't in ministry. Make everyone happy. So what I've, what I've dealt with is I'm trying to constantly give everything over to God. God, you're first. My calling's first. What is it? What is it? What is it? And I've learned over time that people-pleasing can be a form of idolatry because here's why. What we're after is we're putting people's opinions of us ahead of God's calling on us. And I've gotten to a point now. I'm not good at it yet. I'm, I'm getting there. I think I've, I've at least made a baby step forward to realize I know what God has called me to do and this church to do, and we will not waver. Let the criticism come. Let the, well, the church should be doing this or that. No, I know I want to please you all. And here's the problem with people pleasing. Um, two love languages of mine, acts of service, and the second one is at words of affirmation. You know how hard it is to have a love language of words of affirmation and try not being a people pleaser? That is a difficult combination. But one of the things I've, I've learned is give God credit wherever you can. Get, the, get you off. Get the pride, get the self, get the people pleasing off. So one of the things um, that I've learned in just in my walk with Jesus is um, anytime I deliver a message and I hear compliments or whatever, critiques or whatever, I always say this, first and foremost, bless God. It's him. Bless God. Then I'll say thank you. Because here's what, I, I didn't do that at first. And what I was doing back in the day was I was taking people's words of affirmation. I made it pride. And the proverb says, pride goes before the fall. I never want to fall. So God, I got to give you credit. Ryan, man, that was tough, but that was awesome. That spoke to me. Bless God. Thank you. Bless God. Thank you. Because listen, it's him. It's not me. It's him. It's not you. It's all about him. And so it's so hard to do that. And here's why. Oh, let me, let me, let me, <laughs> Paul writes to the region, he's, he, there's a bunch of churches in this region called Galatia, um, and here's what he writes to those churches. He says this, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser, no, I'm trying to please who, friends? I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, watch this, I would not be Christ's servant, if you're a people pleaser, I'm just going to ask, set that aside and say, God, I want to please you above all other opinions. It's you. I hope you walk away that God sits and goes, I am proud of you. Proud of you. So, number one, recognize when someone's trying to control. Number two, know what you're called to do. Know it through and through, through and through, through and through. And here's the third and last. Get ready for this. Because this is the toughest. 
If we're going to love those who control and manipulate us, what are we going to do? Know when to draw the line in the sand. And it's tough to actually draw a line to say, no, you can't do that to me. First of all, that's not loving. Second of all, it won't be loving if I throat punch you in Jesus' name. That is why I have to draw a line. Lane of hands, watch out, right. <laughs> Wrong lane of hands. Um, you got to draw. I was, I was having a conversation after first service, and um, this is the most difficult part because they were talking about a relationship they were in that was very controlling and manipulating, and the person said, I kept drawing the line, and um, what I realized is you have to keep drawing the line, not just one time, but over and over. And this person would want to scuff up the line and move it. And they said, no, I had to keep drawing and drawing. And it was painful to draw the line. But I want you to know I am so free now. This person said, I want a relationship with that other person that's been controlling and manipulating me. I deeply want it, but I didn't realize how much freedom I have when I drove the line and I said, you will not cross this line. We may have to tweak the relationship a little bit. And the person said, you know what? That controlling person, it's actually their loss, not mine. Because I'm walking lighter now. And it's hard. Because the way the relationship's always been built is the puppeteer controlling the puppet. Now all of a sudden, you draw the line? Guess who doesn't like that? The controller. What are you doing? I manipulate you. I control you. Don't you dare draw that line. And it's hard, and they want to scuff it and move it and go across it. And you keep sitting there going, no, no, no. And then Jesus' response after he just sit there and called, hey, Peter, Satan, no, have the mind of God, not human mind. Then he addresses all the 12 disciples, and this is what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. He drew the line in the sand to say, listen, here's the line. Don't cross it. If you're going to follow me, not manipulate, not control, deny yourself. It's not about you. Then you're going to take up your cross, the instrument of torture and death in your life. Carry it. And then follow me. But no more are you going to control this thing. No more. Know when to draw a line in the sand. And it's painful sometimes. And the first time they cross it, God, give me the courage again. Draw the line. It's not going to happen. 